Well, good morning, and welcome to Creekside Church in the name of our great God and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, glad to see you here. I would like to give a special missions announcement. Uh, one of the goals that the leadership has this year is to uh, increase our promotion and awareness and involvement and engagement with missions this year, and uh, we want to take that a little more seriously. And part of what we've done over the past 10 years or so is taken a quarterly often offering for missions. We've supported a lot of missionaries periodically, but we have chosen to invest in a, a few missionaries in particular more deeply to kind of build that relationship and that connection with them and, and really kind of be a part of their work. And so I kind of want to, I want to reintroduce or, or introduce for the first time some of these missionaries because a lot of us are new maybe and uh, are newer to the church and maybe not aware of some of these people that we've supported. Um, so on the, on the next slide here, so, so we're here in Urbandale, Iowa, somewhat smaller church. What can we do uh, in the Lord's work around the world? And, and three things simply stated, pray, give, and go. We pray for missionaries. We pray for the Lord's work around the world. Uh, even Jesus, he, he said he was moved with compassion. And, and in Matthew chapter 9, uh, he, he was healing people in the cities and villages. And, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we pray that the Lord would raise up someone to go out into missions work on short-term trips or as a career missionary. That was a prayer of ours for a long time and it was exciting this last year when we sent out my sister, Lois Klein, now Lois Richard, uh, Lucas and Lois Richard to Ireland. And uh, so I have an announcement about them in just a moment because we would normally be taking this offering on February 8th, but we've moved it up to next week because of some recent news and events that are unfolding kind of quickly with them in particular, um, and we want to help them uh, do something here. So from this church, uh, go to the next slide. We reach out around the world through our prayers, praying for the missionaries, praying for the Lord's work. We give... You know, the Apostle Paul was so thankful to the churches that they gave of their resources generously. He thanked the Corinthians and the Philippians for how they gave to his ministry. And, and then go. We, we have people here who have gone on missions trips around the world. Uh, Justin and I went to Ireland at one point. A lot of people have gone down to Haiti to Emmanuel Mission uh, around the world. And so we'd like to and see more people encouraged to go on these short-term trips. It's a, it's a life-changing event. And, and perhaps consider uh, career missions work as, as a viable career. Uh, on the next slide. And so, so these are some of these people that we've invested in a long time. Bob and Sue Cohen in Uganda, Micah and Amy Tuttle in Peru, um, and now we're adding a couple. We're adding Dana and Georgiana Akins, who is known to a lot of us through their music ministry over the years, the Ineloquent. But now they've been serving as missionaries in Romania for about the past year, year and a half. And then Lucas and Lois Richard we, we sent out as our commended missionaries last year. Uh, so ne next slide here. You might not be familiar so much with Bob and Sue Cullen, um, but we've supported them since 2002 when they were here uh, four years ago last, and, and they're involved in church planning. I think they've planted something like three churches in the Kabali area of Uganda, and training and youth groups and Sunday schools. They print a lot of Bible study materials, and, and they have thousands of people involved with their ministry there in Uganda through Bible correspondence courses, so that they're training the, the believers around that area through that. Um, next slide. Uh, Mike and Amy Tuttle, they were here last year, and, and they were just a young couple with one child at the time when we first met them. They came here on a Wednesday night, and, the, and Micah was just a fireball. 
uh, on Fire for the Lord, his motto is uh, preach to anything that moves. And, and if you hear him, that's true. He'll, he'll go out in the city square and preach down there in Peru and hundreds of people will gather around and he'll set up a mock funeral even because people take funerals a little more seriously and preach the gospel at it. Uh, he's he's kind of crazy like that. But he's moved around to different areas of Peru and, and more recently he's moved to a village ministry in the jungle. And so he'll, this was started by Bert and Colleen Elliott, uh, well-known missionaries for many years ago, but then those villages, the ministries, they were kind of dwindling. And so Micah was moved to go there, and now he travels down the river, and, and this is outback, wild kind of work here, trudging through jungles and villages and, and water uh, canoeing. And so he ministers along 30 villages along this river, building up the churches and the, and the work there. And, and then he has a church plant now in Terrapoto, Peru. Um, next slide. Uh, Dana Georgiana, um, you, we just heard from him recently, so I don't know how much I need to say, but if you missed it, uh, he preaches in, in Romania where his wife Georgiana lived until age of five and, and then came to California. Um, they disciple young adults, youth leaders, young marrieds. They want to build up that future generation of leaders for the church there in Romania. And they're still very involved with their music. They have a music ministry for outreach and encouragement. And uh, they also have a heart for orphans and widows. And, and that's what the Bible says is true religion. They talked about visiting orphanages and, and widows, which is great. Um, so we wanna, we felt like we've made a real connection to them over the years. And now that they're serving the Lord in missions work, um, we wanna take that a step further and really make a commitment to them and their work there. So let's take another slide here, last one. So Lucas and Lois Richard, um, who we committed last year to Ireland. He, he had been there for a couple years when Lois married him and they, and they went back there last year. But then uh, uh, Ireland has a new immigration policy where um, they won't renew guest visas past three years now. That was just something they put in a few years ago. So some of the longer missionaries there could still stay, but since he had just come um, a couple years before, his, his visa was uh, expiring and he, he appealed to the government to have it renewed so that they, he could stay there longer. They denied it. He also applied for a visa of minister of religion. Um, they've denied it. So it, it seems uh, very clear, and um, some might call it a satanic attack or a problem with the Irish immigration system, and those both might be true. But larger than that, Lucas and Lois are believing that the Lord is a sovereign Lord, and he, he has sovereignly shut the door in Ireland, um, which, which is kind of saddening, but also at the same time, they're trusting in the Lord for his leading in the future. And so um, what my uncle Jim Gillette, who runs the Ireland Outreach Ministry there, suggested to them was that they take an exploratory trip in April to Nigeria where they have a large work going on. Um, there's, they're turning this clinic into a full-fledged hospital. They, they have an elementary school now with 600 kids in it. They have water for purification plant. Um, they have ministry among all the villages in the region. It's, it's a large work that the Lord's really blessed. And so um, they've been encouraged to go there and see and seek the Lord's leading to see if this would be where the Lord might call them next. Um, so they, they have agreed to the elders here's wisdom and, and encouraging them to go do this. We, we heard about this and we said, we would like you to go do this, to know if the Lord might be calling you to go to Nigeria. And there's also lots of opportunities down in Louisiana, his home state, for him to get involved in in different churches too. Um, he's been invited to serve down there too. But but they're going to go to Nigeria, and so we wanted to hold a special offering a little bit sooner than later to help make this possible. The cost of their trip is something like $6,000, um, and that's cheaper than it might have been. 
Uh, originally it was going to maybe be 12,000 because of some plane tickets and costs and stuff, but it's at 6,000 now. And so we just want to open this offering up. It's a free will offering. As the Lord moves your heart, um, next week we'll collect this offering. And we're going to give a smaller set amount to the first three missionaries here. And then everything above that will go to this missions trip for Lucas and Lois. And so we, uh, like the Paul, Apostle Paul was so encouraged by the generosity of the saints, uh, we just encourage you as the Lord moves your heart um, to give with a generous spirit to the, to the Lord's work um, around the world. And if you have any other questions about any of these missionaries or the situation with Lucas and Lois, uh, let me know. And let's just commit them all to the Lord now. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are doing a work around the world. Beyond our city, beyond our country, you are working in places around the world where there is little to no Christian witness, where believers are persecuted for their faith. And Lord, you are saving men and women and children all over the world. And you have called some servants to go out and serve you in this way, preaching the gospel and training young men and women to be the leaders of the church and, and to serve you. And, and we just pray you would bless that work. Please be with Bob and Sue Cohen, with Micah and Amy Tuttle, with Dan and Georgiana in Romania, and Lucas and Lois. We just pray you would give them clear direction for their future. And, and I pray that this offering would be an encouragement to them and a blessing to them. And Lord, whatever your will is for their future, we, we just know that we can trust you as a sovereign God, a sovereign Lord to lead them as you see fit. And we just know that you will give them a, a meaningful ministry uh, a life of service to you, wherever you call them. But we pray, Lord, that if it is Nigeria, Lord, that this trip would help them to know your will about that. Um, and we just thank you for the uh, believers here in Urbandale that we, um, though a, a somewhat smaller church, could maybe just feeling maybe like a drop in the bucket of this large world. Um, Lord, we can directly connect to your work around the world through prayer, through our giving, and, and through even going. And so we just commit ourselves to you this year with a, with a renewed focus and vision for foreign missions this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Lately, it seems that we're getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. God, thank you that I can't earn your grace. Thank you that there's nothing I can do to get right with God. Thank you that grace is a free gift given to us by an almighty, loving God. Thank you that it's true that we can come 
as we are into your presence. God, thank you that in our pain and in our suffering, thank you that in our sadness, in our loss, and in our gain, in the joy and the pain in life, that earth has no sorrow, that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. God, so we sit in your presence, the presence of an almighty God that loved his creation, loved people enough to send his son Jesus to suffer and die so that we could be bought back in a relationship with you. I thank you that we are helpless without you. Because if I could do it on my own, God, I would mess it up. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to look at this, uh, this, this picture right here. This was my meal on Wednesday night. You know where I had that meal? Right here. You know what? So I thought it would be more worth it to take a picture of it and not post it on Facebook and make everybody jealous of it, but to post it here and make you jealous of it. Because this is the kinds of meals that we have on Wednesday nights when we have a meal together at 5.30. So this is kind of my promo for everyone, okay? Whether, you're, whether you are here for a ministry on a Wednesday night or not, be here for the meal because you get a, well, it's a free wheel offering, so I shouldn't say it's a free meal. Pay for it. Um, but you get to hang out with people. Um, so whether your kids are in Awana or not, come and hang out with us because we just love being the church. And I can tell you one thing, that this past week, um, I'm going to talk more about this in a minute, but this past week I've really loved you as the church. And I'm sure Art has loved you as the church. Um, and I really just want to say sorry for taking you for granted so often. Um, a couple things I want to bring your attention to. There's a, lot, there's a lot of good things going on at Creekside. And um, a lot of times I think that we get caught up in the program and the running things and making sure that everything goes right and making sure that like I, my mind gets so caught up in when the program's happening here, making sure that people are sticking to their time limits, even though I preach for 45 minutes every time I preach and I never follow my own rules. But I, uh, I don't want to be about that this year. You know what I mean? I want to be about people. I want to be about you, and I want you to be about each other, all because we have unity in Jesus Christ. That's what I want. That's what I want to see happen here. And so I, every, every week I come and I, I stand up here, and I see the same people. I could probably blindly draw a grid of where all of you sit every week. All right? Like, it just happens that way. You don't know everybody in the room. I don't know everybody in the room. 
And sometimes it's really awkward to come to church because we feel like this should be a community of people where we like, we love each other and we are in, we're the body of Christ. But church is so awkward. It's like I come to church and I feel like I should be a certain way or act a certain way and I know all of you feel the same way. It's why you go to the same seat every week. I mean, it, it is. It's funny because every church on the planet does the same thing. But it speaks to us as people. Church is awkward, right? So I love that video because this is not the church, right? Coming to a place like this, this isn't the church. You are the church. So next week, sit in the same place or sit somewhere different. But my challenge to you is, it's just, just, it's awkward. Everybody on three, say it's awkward. One, two, three. It's awkward. Church is awkward, okay? So this year, let's get over it. I got to get over myself. I got to get over worrying about the programs. I got to get over worrying about all this stuff. There's people in the room that you don't know. There's people in the room that have issues. There's people in the room that are suffering in ways we have no idea about until we take the time to slow our life down enough to ask. There's people in the room that are joyful in ways that would encourage me if I would just ask. There's people in the room that can help you with issues that you are struggling with right now, but you have no idea. Just ask. Ask the question. Listen to people. Pray for people. A few things I want to point out that are going on. So dinner on Wednesday nights, that's a great way to do that. Come, and whether you're going to come just and eat dinner and then leave, that's fine. But we want to see your pretty faces, most of you. Okay? We want to see you. Dinner for eight's coming up. This is another opportunity to get, get to know people that you don't know. Right out on the sign-up, on the, um, the name tag table, there's dinner for eights. We have hosts, different hosts that are hosting eight people at their home. Okay? But in order to go to someone's home for dinner for eight, you got to sign up. So check that out right after that, right after this and sign up. You'll get to know somebody that you don't know. On Valentine's Day, we want you to know that we, ch- we cherish and we value marriages. So on Valentine's Day, Sarah and some other people are going to be, okay, you've seen this in the, in the, in the newsletter this Friday, but they're going on a trip to Honduras. And so they're going to, crazy as they are, babysit our kids so we can go out on dates, okay? Again, it's not free. It's a free will offering for their missions trip. But you get a date for like two bucks an hour. Okay, I'm just kidding. 13 bucks an hour. All right? These things, are, these things are things that we need to be about. And I love them because they're not just about a program. They're about people. These last two weeks have been tough for a lot of people. Helen Westfall passed away. It's tough for a lot of people that loved her. My cousin Keith, 33 years old with a wife, a two-year-old son, and a daughter about to be born in, a, in like two weeks from now. It's been a tough week. The first thing that Becky, Keith's wife, posted on Facebook, because we know that Facebook is like the barometer of how well you're doing, right? You post something on Facebook and 
it's officially how your heart condition is. Um, but the first thing she posted on Facebook, the first thing she really made public was that line. All she said was, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. The thing that most people don't know is Becky, two years ago, 30 minutes before her first son was born, or 30 minutes after her first son was born, her father passed away from cancer. So a, a, a young woman, moments, I mean hours after her husband passes away, can say, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. There's only one way that that happens. It's to have an eternal perspective. There's a couple things that God has confirmed to me through these experiences. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, heavens, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I remember my sister, when we were gathered as a family this past week, my sister just prayed, thank you, God, that you are God and I am not. Because I don't get it. I don't understand it. But God is good. Number two, I have to trust in who God is and not always base my faith on what he does. Because I won't always understand what he does, but I know he's good. And I know he is loving. And I know he is just. Luke 12, 22 through 30 at the end of that, it's talking about don't worry about your life. At the end of that, it says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. A question that Heather and I have been asking since we got back last week is where am I wasting time? Where am I wasting time? Listen, this the church is about so much more than saying you go to Creekside Church or coming here on a Sunday morning to worship together. It's all good. It's all good. But man, if we're the hands and feet of Jesus, I, the fact that God loved us enough to send his son Jesus is the biggest, most absolute amazing miracle that ever existed. Is it not? And the last thing I know for sure is that God is good, God is loving, and God is perfectly just. Heather said this to me the other day as we were talking about Keith and thinking about life. And I'm sure Keith and Helen know this a lot better than the rest of us now. But in a study that Heather's been doing, she learned this, that as parents we spend so much time, and I, I do this all the time, I spend so much time worrying about teaching my kids enough to get them out of the house right? To leave home and live in the world. But God is not preparing us to leave home. He's preparing us to come home. I mean, that thought alone should change the way I think about my next breath. So when we think about vision, I mean, I, I, Kyle did a great job last week leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. Who has God put in our lives? That we can meet a need, but we can also share the gospel, open our mouths and be the hands, feet, and mouth of Jesus Christ in this world. That we should be seeing evangelistic growth. That, we're, that people come from other churches that are already believers, and that's not church growth, okay? 
We're grateful for everyone in the room, but church growth is when we're helping grow the universal church of Jesus Christ when people are getting saved. And then they get saved and they move closer and closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's called discipleship. And that's what we want to be all about. As we think about vision, you need to know that we don't make this stuff up. I mean, we, we pray over it, we consider scripture, and we seek to follow God in the world, in a world that does not uphold scripture. We want to uphold scripture in the glory of God, right? Part of having an eternal perspective is being a good steward over what God has entrusted us on earth. So, about to be honest with you, honesty stinks sometimes, but we need it, okay? As good-looking and studly as your leaders are, they're not perfect, right? And even the way that we seek to run church and to be good stewards of what God has given us, this church, to lead, right? Last year, we did a great job at talking about the goals that we had set forward for ourselves to accomplish in this church, right? Our only problem was we didn't really do a good job at coming up with the system to see those goals accomplished, right? That was last year. This year, I'm excited. I'm really excited. And really, this is thanks to um, Bob Short in a big way. I mean, he spearheaded this thing in our meetings. But um, I'm really excited to present to you a system that I think is good stewardship of what God has given leaders of this church, you, really, to pastor, okay? Um, I think it's biblical, and I think it's going to be a great way for us and you together as a team, okay, to carry out God's vision for our church. Proverbs 29, 15 through 18 says this. You don't have to turn there, just listen. Proverbs 29, 15 to 18. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases. But, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. And he will delight in your heart where there is no prophetic vision. The people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. You see, without vision, okay, without direction, we're just going to kind of go about things our own way. Okay, this is why the church is beautiful. Because God created the church so that we could be more effective together than apart, right? Even if we're here and we've got everybody using their gifts, but we're doing it like this, you know, it's not as effective as if we are together on the same mission, okay? So this is where we want to be today. Not this, but this, okay? And so to get us there... We need to start at the end of where do, we, where do we want, what do we want to seek to accomplish by this vision, okay? So our vision frame, stick up that slide, our vision frame. This is our vision frame, okay? You haven't seen this a lot, but you saw it at the beginning of last year. This is kind of what drives us. The top is our mission. The, the right side is our values, okay? That, those are the, not, not our theological values, but our ministry values, okay? Those are the things that we want us to drive us. Our strategy on the bottom, worship, community, and service. We want everyone to be a part of all three of those things, okay? On the left side is where I want to pay attention right now, okay? 
These are our mission measures. These are where we want to get to. And I love these because they are characteristics of, individ- of people. Okay, They're not just characteristics of what we look like as a church, but they're characteristics of things that need to be true in individual people's lives. We are successful. This answers the question. We are successful when we are, as people, disciples of Jesus, missionaries for his mission, family, okay, not only our individual families, but family as a church, worshipers in spirit and in truth, and generous, understanding that all that we have is God's. See, the Great Commission calls us to make disciples. If you remember, this last summer, we did a study on Wednesday nights called Christian. Jesus never actually uses the term Christian uh, of his followers, because today we live, and the term Christian can mean a whole lot of whatever you want it to mean, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that don't believe really in Jesus, but they go to Christian churches, and they call themselves Christian. That's not really defined in the Bible what a Christian is. But it is defined what a disciple is. A follower of Jesus is a disciple. Someone who lives and learns and then lives again based on what they've learned. So I want to present a system to you that, again, we think is biblical. And and it really fits the strengths, okay? It really doesn't make sense to us to, to to, to try to do things that we're not good at, right? Because if we're not good at them, it's not really honoring God if we're putting our time and effort into things where he hasn't gifted us. In the areas where he hasn't gifted us, wasting our time, it's wasting your time, it's wasting God's time. God doesn't operate in time, so he redeems those things where we mess up, but we want to do the best we can do with what he's given us. So this system, it really is going to set us up well to succeed at leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. I was just talking to Emily on Friday night, and what she said to me really struck me, because I was talking about, you know what, I, I don't want to focus on our programs this year. If our programs suffer because we're spending so much time focusing on people, right, I'm okay with that. I'm good with that, right? If this service goes a little long, okay, because that's where God leads, fine, I'm okay with that, you know? But what she said to me was, the awesome thing about it is, if we're focused on people, and people get so excited about following Jesus, then our programs won't suffer. Because people will be so excited about following Jesus, they'll be relying on the Holy Spirit to help them live out their gifts, and they're going to want to give people their best, and our programs won't suffer, Right? I'm excited about that. Okay, so go ahead and put up this next slide. We're going to spend most of our time. This is actually in your bulletin as well. If you've got a bulletin, you could take that little piece of paper home because it will remind you of all this stuff. Okay, whether that's easy for you to see on the screen or not, you can see it right in front of you. There's a bunch of different uh, buckets, right? So we've started at the bottom where it says disciples. Really, we want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It underlines everything. It underlines the fact that we want to be missionary, family worshipers, and generous. Okay? 
That's where we want to get to. That's what we want to become. And the buckets in the middle, we call them buckets affectionately in our meetings. Okay, the buckets in the middle are all the areas that we really think are important for us as Creekside Church to focus on in 2015. And so here's the deal. Because this is my job and I have more time than anybody else to work on it, I will kind of underline all of these buckets, okay? But like it said on our, on our uh, uh, vision frame, our number one ministry value is that we, are, that we've, that we focus on team-based ministry. Team-based ministry. Why? Because I'm not good at all the things that you're good at. And you're not good at all the things I'm good at. Team-based ministry accounts for accountability within ministries so that none of us, none of us in leadership and none of you are operating on an island in isolation of everybody else. Because when that happens, what do we do? We go our own way, right? So we, the most successful we could be is, is part of a team. And team-based ministry is really how we want all of our ministries happening here at Creekside to operate. That no one operates in isolation. Here's what I love. That we the leaders are not the ministers. Alright? We are the equippers and you are the ministers. What does that mean? It just means that we can't do church without you. That we are not the church in isolation of you. It just doesn't work that way. It will fail. Because that's not how God set it up. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Right? To equip. What's a saint? It's not just somebody on a stained glass window. Right? You. Believers in Jesus Christ for salvation on their way to heaven are saints. Okay? So our job is just to equip and before God, we are accountable to do a good job at equipping all of you to do the work. Right? It's work time. It's time to get to work. All right? So here we go. First bucket. And as we go through these, I do not want this to get boring or administrative to you. As we think about these things, think about... It from the standpoint of the fact that if we don't understand that all of this is in place because of the mission that God has given us, because of Jesus' death on the cross for us, because he wants us to live with an eternal perspective knowing that he's preparing us to go home, right? We've got to have that perspective as we hear this stuff or it's all kind of pointless. So number one, outreach. I'm going to kind of spearhead that one. I am going to spearhead that one. Not kind of, I am. All right? I just wanted to give myself an out if I did a bad job. But I am going to spearhead that one. Matthew 5.40 says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Mark 12.31. The second commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Kyle last week Reminded us, we have the ability to meet people's needs, right? Inside and outside the church. We have the ability to meet people's needs. And as we do that, we share the gospel with people so that people come to the acknowledgement of Jesus' love and sacrifice for their sin. And they get saved. So what we want to do a good job at in 
2015 is bring the gospel to the streets. We want to bring the gospel to the streets. The next bucket is missions. Mark Klein is going to spearhead that. Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. I want to define a term for you. Unreached people group. Okay? Unreached people group. How that is defined is that, there, that less than 2% of the population of a people group is evangelical Christian. Okay? Now get this. There are 6,400 unreached people groups globally that we know of. It's a big deal. So what Mark presented this morning is not just us sending money to missionaries. It's missionaries reaching unreached people groups. And you may have a passion for that as well. We need to have a passion for the gospel globally as a church. So we have a desire to have a revamped vision and passion for missions in 2015. The quarterly missions offering is just a part of that. We hope that you see a big time emphasis on missions this year. The next bucket is assimilation. Jeff Westfall is going to spearhead that. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. I've been there before, but it's not good. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no, that wasn't in there, that was me. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body. Hear that again. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, no one in the room is better than anyone else, and we cannot operate in isolation of anyone else. See, the medical issue with the church is when one person, when one person, person, as valuable as every single person is, when one person is not doing what God has intended them to do, the whole thing suffers for it. The whole thing suffers for it. So we want to help each person here discover what their spiritual gifts are and get you using them. Raleigh always says to us, the best way to figure out what your gift is is just do something, right? 
You may be confused as to what your gift is. Just start doing something. You'll figure out that two things need to be uh, in place. You need to be passionate about it, and you need to be good at it, okay? If either of those things are not true, I think you'll figure that out pretty quickly, and you go try something else. So Jeff's in the process of determining a good spiritual gift assessment to help individuals find what we're going to call their sweet spot, right? The next bucket, unity. Bob Short's going to be in charge of that. John 13, 34 through 35 says this, a new commandment I give you. This is Jesus talking. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So our mission measure, disciple, okay, People will know that we are Jesus' disciples if we love each other in the midst of the awkwardness, in the midst of the fact that you don't know everybody here. It should, the way we treat each other should really look different to the world looking in, right? And so I'd say it, let's say it together. I love you. It wasn't awkward for me, but turn to the person next to you and say it. One, two, three, go. Now do it and it can't be your spouse. Just kidding. Let's go. Okay, moving on. Over pastoral care is going to be Norm Metzler. James 5, 13 through 14 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We believe in the power of prayer to heal people. Physically and spiritually and emotionally. Okay? I want you to know that I'm available all the time. Not all the time, because that would be just crazy. But I'm available to meet with people. I'm available to talk, to counsel, to listen, whatever you need. I want to meet with you guys. I want to be about people. All right? But Norb's heart is for the sick, for the poor, for the least of these, and to counsel people, to be in the hospital with people, to do home calls, to pray for the sick. Norb is like at the top of my list for all the people I would call prayer warriors, right? So he's going to lead us up in, in pastoral care. Next bucket, mentoring. This is Raleigh Clarkson. Titus 2, 4 through 8. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to your own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may not be put to shame, having nothing, no, so that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. 1 Timothy 1 and 2 and 2 Timothy 1 and 2 say, To Timothy, my true child in the faith. That's Paul talking. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Here's what we need we all need a Paul. A mentor, someone that we're meeting one-on-one with, someone that's going to feed into us, someone that has been a Christian for longer than us, that has experienced God in a different way. We all need a Timothy, someone that we are feeding into. I don't care how long you've been saved, you have a story to tell, 
right? You've got a story to tell and it's going to impact someone. You've got a life that you've lived that God has used to shape you in some way, whether you were saved at the time, whether you were not saved at the time and now you are. Have a mentor, someone that's feeding into you, and have someone that you're feeding into. Next bucket, teaching, is going to be Kyle Clarkson. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I don't really need to convince you that we hold this book in high honor, that we think it is without error. And being in the word is how we have renewed minds on a daily basis. Okay, so Kyle's thing is gonna be to hold anyone that is in a teaching role at Creekside accountable to making sure that's happening, to making sure that good biblical teaching is happening across the board at our church. And then the second to last bucket, spiritual disciplines, is going to be Alan Krim. The same verse, okay, because the outcome is that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Okay, he's going to focus on the areas of our church community that will help develop us practically in the areas of spiritual disciplines, i.e. small groups, accountability groups, smaller accountability groups, scripture reading, and prayer, and a lot of other things. The last bucket is worship. And this, this is kind of humbling for me because I'm the name of the guy that's going to hold that group accountable, but I am really really thankful for this whole team, this whole worship team. Tim and Jake have stepped up in a big way, so I feel like it needs to be Nick, but Tim and Jake in there. And the whole rest of the team, John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. As the band comes back up, I want to share just this little story with you. It comes from 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20. And Jehoshaphat, the king, of, the king of Judah at the time, he was about to go to army with the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. And he is terrified, right? He is so scared. So what does he do? He falls face down before the God of heaven and he prays. And he just begs God. And the, the nature of his prayer takes on a nature of worship where he is just... He is just crying out to God and proclaiming and exalting his name. And proclaiming to God almost as if to remind God of the power he had to help the army. Okay, so he's praying and he's crying out. And then in verse 21 to 23 it says this, And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army to say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And they, when they began to sing and praise, <laughs> and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. They all helped to destroy one another. All right? Imagine that. 
You're worshiping, you're praising God, and then all of a sudden your enemies start to kill each other? I'd be like, all right, I can do this. This is awesome. Amazing things happen when we exalt God. Everything comes into perspective in life when we exalt God. Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. This is our mission. And so what we've presented to you is just our way. It's a way to accomplish that mission this year. So you have this handout that you're going to take home. I want you to look at that and think about what God has gifted you to do. We want to do a good job at reaching out to you and finding out where you are gifted and where you can serve, right? But if you're passionate about something, do not hesitate to come to us and say, hey, this is what I'm passionate about, all right? And here's the deal. The people on, that, on those buckets, they're holding accountable this whole church to be a part of these things. But you are all, remember last year you were once worse. This year you're vision casters, okay? Think of yourself as vision casters, that your job is to be a part of casting the vision for each other continually. The best way for you to do that is to get involved and to use your gifts. It's one of the best ways that we think God has enabled us to grow in a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I think you'd be amazed at what he will do in your life when you're serving. We are not the ministers. You are. You're the vision casters. And so when we think about taking communion, it's all got to go back to the purpose for our lives. Okay? My sister said this in an email this week. That when Jesus died, he didn't just die so that I could go to heaven. He died so that I could live. He died so that I could prepare in the best possible way to go home and be with him, right? And so the only way that this is possible, that we accomplish anything of what I just said, is that we, that Jesus Christ takes absolute first place in our lives, It's the only way. It's the only way that church isn't awkward anymore. It's the only way that we are on mission for God. It's the only way that we love each other unconditionally. Across age, across preference, all of it. It's the only way that it happens, right? And so in these moments that we take while we worship some more, to remember Jesus, It's simple. The gospel is that my sin offended the holiness of God. Your sin offended the holiness of God. And the most loving, the most absolute loving thing that God could do is send his son, Jesus, to die for you so that you know someday I'm going to be with him. And I think in 1 Peter where it says he's given us everything we need to live lives and godliness, when I think of that, yes, he's given us the Holy Spirit and he's given all these tools, he's given us gifts, but think of it this way. The only thing we really need is to know where my final destination is. I mean, that should change everything. So we want you to get involved. We want you 
to get involved and be vision casters this year, but so much more importantly, we care about your individual hearts and your individual souls. So it all starts right here. So you come up to the front and take the bread and the juice, the body broken of Jesus, the, the, the blood, his blood shed. These are symbols of what he did for us, and we've got to take time to remember those things if we want to be successful on his mission. So let's pray together. God, I just thank you for the leaders of this church. Thank you for gifting them. Thank you for every single person in this room, God. I pray that we would be about people because we know that you are about people. God, I pray that our perspective would be heavenly, that we would store up treasure for ourselves in heaven. Thank you for Jesus. Again, thank you that I cannot earn my salvation. It's all in the name of Jesus that we worship and we remember him now in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm.